Good evening, ladies. How are you tonight? Good, good, good. I'm glad I get to see your faces yet another week. And uh, as Tess mentioned, I am Lisa Palmer. I'm glad to be here tonight to share with you as we look at scenes of revival, God's heart for his people. And there was a lot of reading this week. I don't know about you. I was just like, oh, my goodness. But um, Ezekiel chapters 33 through 39 is what we will be focusing on this evening. And I just pray that God meets you where you are as uh, these words are spoken. We see that God's heart for his people started with Adam and Eve, whom he created from dust. We know that God desires intimacy, and he loves us. In fact, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 tells us, we love him because he first loved us. Ezekiel was assigned to proclaim God's word and his judgment against those God loved in order that they may know him, repent, and be drawn back to him. Mentioned repeatedly by God are these nine words, and I think you all may know, <laughs> then they shall know that I am the Lord. the Lord. God wanted to be known by the Israelites then, and he wants to be known by us now. Ezekiel chapter four, 34, we see the watchman. And a watchman was someone who monitored the city, warning the citizens of impending dangers that were approaching. That person would either verbalize or they would blow a ram's horn to alert those citizens. Ezekiel was divinely appointed by God to be his watchman to give warning to those who were in exile with him in Babylon giving them God's word pending judgment on the wicked. Those who failed to heed the warning would die in their iniquity. However, if Ezekiel failed to warn them, their blood would be on his hands. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but he desires that they turn from evil and live. In other words, he wants us to repent. Remember, John the Baptist came saying, repent. He was probably a watchman, in a sense, before Jesus arrived. There are God-appointed conversations that you and I are to have with people, whether it be at work, in our church, in the store, whether you're online, on IG, maybe a PTA meeting, maybe your kids practice, maybe at your community service event. We're to bring God's warning of eternal death, but really the hope is in having eternal life when we give this warning to others. Brave watchmen are set apart by God to answer the call and be courageous enough to alert others. God in his mercy, he gives us countless opportunities to confess and repent. Six times God refers to his messenger Ezekiel as the son of man. This same title was used to describe Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 verse 11. 
and he was the one who has come to save that which was lost. We see that Ezekiel, he's released from his seven and a half year muteness, and now he will regularly pronounce God's judgment against the exiles. At this t- same time, a messenger comes and warns or tells uh, Ezekiel of the fall of Jerusalem to Babylon, and that would have been about 586 B.C., and in Ezekiel's time, they would have been 12 years into their exile, 12 years, 10 months, and the fifth day, their captivity in Babylon. That's a long time. And some of us have been in exile in certain situations for that amount of time, maybe less, maybe longer. And we're just wondering when we'll hear a message from God. Judah, also part of the southern kingdom, was destroyed because of their abominations against God. Those who remained in Jerusalem, they took God for granted, believing they were free from punishment under the Abrahamic covenant. Although the exiles heard warnings spoken by Ezekiel in Babylon, they continued sinning. Pride kept them from repenting. In James chapter 1, verse 22, be not only a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. It's not enough to just listen and hear it, but we have to do something about it and act on it. What repeated messages have you heard from God's word weekly, maybe daily, yet you refuse, I refuse, to apply to our lives? Is it the message of forgiveness? Maybe trusting in God? Maybe loving an enemy? Maybe reconciling with someone that you have an angst or an alt against? Maybe an adulterous relationship? maybe a verbal abuse against someone. So we move into Ezekiel chapter 34, heading out to pasture. God's judgment, it goes against the shepherds at this point. And at that time, the shepherds would have been the priests, the rulers, and maybe even royalty. And they were tasked with maintaining and protecting the sheep. And in the book on page 218, the author, she goes to uh, have us do a uh, exercise, what the shepherds did do. These shepherds fed themselves, clothed themselves with wool, slaughtered the fatlings, and they ate the fatlings themselves, ruled with force and cruelty. What they did not do, they did not feed the sheep, They did not strengthen the sheep, heal sheep, bound up broken, bring back those driven away, or seek the lost. Their failure to carry out their God-assigned duties was the result of selfishness, greed, and lack of care for the sheep, which caused them to scatter over the whole face of the earth. These sheep were no longer protected. And we see that abuse of authority by the leaders would not be tolerated by a just God who had a heart for his people. That's why we need to be intentional and pray for our spiritual as well as our political leaders. They're up, so, up against so many things. 
Um, pray that they be men and women of integrity, and more importantly, men and women who fear the Lord. God searches out the scattered sheep, and it says, on a cloudy and a dark day. I couldn't help but think of Matthew chapter 18, verse 12, where the man left the 99 sheep in search of the one. And we know that song, Reckless Love, we sung it numerous times, and we just bask in what, those, what that message says within that song. But we see that God was intentional about finding his sheep. And so much so, he said that he would no longer allow those sheep to be fed by those shepherds, that he would deliver his flock from those shepherds, that he would search them out and gather them from all countries and bring them to their own land. He would feed them in all inhabited places. He would seek the lost. He would bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. We see firsthand God's heart for his sheep. He provided those pastures for them in order that they could graze and they would be provided for and get nourishment, exactly what they needed. We can see him for ourselves as a deliverer, provider, restorer, a strength, and a healer. Where were you when God found you? Have you experienced him since being found? Could you call him healer, deliverer, your refuge, your strong tower? Although the irresponsible shepherds did not adequately care for the sheep, they began mistreating one another. God's judgment was now towards the sheep who mistreated his flock. The absence of order brought about an environment where the sheep dealt dishonorably with one another. The weaker sheep were taken advantage of by the strong. Have you loved your brothers and sisters in Christ the way that God has ordered us to in the golden rule? Do you love your neighbors? Do we love our neighbors as we love ourselves? Or have we loved ourselves a little more than we should have? I'll be the first to say sometimes I look out for me and what's best in my interest instead of the interest of others. Do you? The messianic promise of King David points to Jesus, and in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 25, God makes his covenant of peace with the Israelites, and he makes his covenant of peace with us as well. Peace does not come from being our own shepherd, but peace comes from following the guidance of the good shepherd, and we know who the good shepherd is. We know him to be Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And peace can be equated with harmony. We've heard the word, or you may not have heard the word, but shalom, wholeness, is found in none other than Jesus Christ. His peace will enable us to experience safety as he did those sheep in the wilderness. They had sh uh, safety. They slept in the woods. Blessings on the hill, they had showers coming down in their season, showers of blessings. Trees yielded fruit, and earth yielded its increase. God, who has a heart for his people, tells them who they are and to whom they belong. 
In verse 30, he proclaims, Thus they shall know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them, and they, the house of Israel, are my people. May we all experience God's peace on earth as it is in heaven. We need the good shepherd and must be intentional about listening to his voice daily and resting in his peace. Moving on to Ezekiel chapters 35 and 36, we now see that judgment is pronounced against Mount Seir, which was inhabited by the Edomites, and they were descendants of Esau. And we know from the book of Genesis that there was hostility between the twin brothers Esau and Jacob. And that hostility arose when Esau, who despised his birthright, sold it for a bowl of stew to his brother Jacob. And not only that, but their mother Rebekah and Jacob planned a cunning scheme that enabled Jacob to also receive his eldest brother's blessing from Isaac. That's enough to piss you off. I know I'd be upset if somebody took something that was mine. But just imagine how Esau felt. And eventually, thank goodness, the two brothers reconciled in Genesis chapter 34. However, their descendants continued to strive against one another to this very day. Many of us experience alts in our families that last for years, and unfortunately, it causes a lot of pain and suffering for generations to come. Bitterness, anger, unwillingness to forgive, unwillingness to speak truth. God's hand would stretch out against Mount Seir and it would experience perpetual desolation and be laid waste. The Edomites had an ancient hatred toward their cousins and partner with nations against Israel when they were in a vulnerable state. They shed their blood with the sword. The Edomites had a nerve to believe they would take possession of the land which belonged to God. Ultimately, they had reaped what they had sown. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. No one can take from God what is rightfully his and what he has created. God's heart for his people is displayed when he restores the land and gives them hearts made of flesh. And that's what he's done for each and every one of us, given us hearts of flesh. Thank God it's no longer hearts of stone. They were commanded to hollow God and be sanctified or set apart. And we know that only God could cleanse us and create in us a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within us. We know from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. What is the condition of your heart as you hear these words spoken? Have you made him Lord over all areas of your life? Does he have complete control? 
And if not, why do you refuse to relinquish what so-called control you think you have? We know he's the author and finisher of our faith. So he gives a new heart and a new life in Ezekiel chapter 37. In the valley of the dry bones, Ezekiel, Ezekiel finds himself. And at one point, God asks him a question about those bones, asking, can they live? And Ezekiel responds, oh, Lord God, you know as to whether or not those bones can live, Ezekiel responds to God. Those bones represented the dead nation of Israel. And after hearing Ezekiel speak to the bones, the bones came together and Ezekiel also spoke to the breath and the breath entered those dead bones, bringing them life. The prophecy announces that the nation will no longer be divided into the northern and southern kingdom. They will now be joined as one kingdom as God intended them to be. Again, God is not prophesying about the physical resurrection of man. He's talking about the spiritual resurrection from death to life. While parts of this prophecy have come to fulfillment with the establishment of Israel as an independent nation, which we know that to have taken place on May 14th, 1948, there are other aspects of this prophecy yet remain to be realized. The nation of Israel still faces tenuous peace and security issues within the world. And we know that to be going on even right now as that fight goes on in the Gaza Strip against the Palestinian. Many of Jewish descent do not acknowledge Jesus as their savior. They remain spiritually dead, but during Christ's millennial reign, when he returns, and that would be his second coming, the Jewish people of Israel will finally recognize Jesus as the promised savior. The spiritual awakening of Israel can only be attributable to the work of God. The people could never bring about this awakening themselves. And one of the points that the author mentions on page 235, which I absolutely love because it speaks volumes to me right now, but I would wager that most of us have a circumstance or a relationship in our lives in which we need the all-powerful, life-giving God to infuse it with his breath. Though we are God's children, we still face situations that seem dead, devoid of hope, and impossible to change. There is no part of our lives that falls outside of the sovereignty of God into which he is unable to bring life, hope, and restoration. A drop of hope can always be found even in the driest circumstances. And I couldn't help, I had to itch over into Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church, and in the Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. You see, God's heart for his people assures them they will no longer be spiritually dead. Never underestimate 
God's sovereignty to resurrect that which is dead in your life. He will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Moving on to Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39, both of these prophecies have yet to occur in spite of God instructing Ezekiel to speak against King Gog. The evil plan against God's people would prompt God to bring his judgment on Gog and the other nations that came against Israel. And a sign of that battle will be an earthquake. Ultimately, they would know that he is God. We must learn to hallow God in our lives. And what does hallow look like? We hear it in that prayer, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what does hallow look like? It could be showing respect for God, not making alliances with those who look to do evil against others. Hallowing him may be be not cheating or stealing. It could be showing obedience to God's word when it's not viewed as popular. It could be not profaning his name. Hallowing him could be setting ourselves apart as the salt of the earth in order to glorify him in all things. God's heart for his people brings Israel victory over the vast army of God to everyone's amazement. The world will witness the power and protection of the Lord over his people as he defeats Gog. This battle will most certainly occur during the reign of the Antichrist who will establish a covenant of peace with Israel but will then break it inciting Gog to pursue this attack. We could cite all manner of scholarly predictions regarding the timing of these events. But there is one thing this prophecy makes epically clear. The nation of Israel will face another monumental battle during the course as a nation in the history of the world. But by the power of God, Israel will be victorious over her enemies and the nations will marvel over it. Over 50 times, Ezekiel has repeated a variation of that phrase, and we all know it. Then you or then they will know that I am the Lord. But this last time, there is the slightest difference with the hugest significance. And Ezekiel chapter 39 verse 28 states, then they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, because I sent them into exile among the nations and then assembled them into their own land. God is willing to bind himself to us. Do you know that he is yours today? He chooses to make himself available to each and every woman sitting in this room tonight. And we can thank him for his Holy Spirit. And we can thank him that he's a God whose heart is for his people. Thank you.
Thank you, Lisa. All right, to the small groups.